Hello, Mechanicsville Church family and others who may be listening, and happy Mother's Day. It's a joy to be able to share in God's Word on special days, and particularly days when we can honor and celebrate our mothers. We're grateful for them, and we're grateful for what they mean to us and have meant to us through the years. And so uh, on Sunday, when we get together, we'll have a little uh, something to give to every car, and I hope that you will come and be a part of that or if you're listening to this after, uh, they can, others can tell you what it is. Or you may have already received it if you're here. Our scripture today is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles." The heroes of history and poetry may be cruel, violent, self-seeking, ruthless, intemperate, and unjust, but they are never cowards frightened by what tomorrow may bring. They do not falter or give way. They do not despair in the face of almost hopeless odds. They have the strength and stamina to achieve whatever they set their minds to do. They would not be heroes if they were not people of courage and of confidence in tomorrow. On account of his confidence in Timothy's inheritance of faith and his own solid faith, Paul reminds Timothy to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. In view of the spiritual strength at his disposal, Paul exhorts his young aide not to be ashamed of testifying to our Lord. Paul's appointment to the gospel and discharge of this commission resulted in his imprisonment. He was willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. His connecting of his ministry with suffering accords well with words of Jesus to the same effect. But persecution does not deter Paul from doing Christ's commission. His strong personal faith will allow no other alternative. He does not name a definite object. So in accordance with his thought elsewhere, he could mean either God or Christ. This faith is an abiding trust, as the perfect tense of the verb and the subsequent explanation show. God has sustained Paul in the past. He is sustaining him in the present. And Paul is confident he will sustain him even to the final consummation. And we can have that confidence today in the Lord. We must stand at a time in which frightened, frustrated little people stir the troubled waters of despair in the hearts of those who will lend an ear to their forlorn prophecies of doom. The Christian church has every reason and right to say, I believe in tomorrow. First, we can believe in tomorrow because of the failure of the past. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. The good old days never existed. Whenever we become discouraged about the present and the future, the best tonic can be found in history. Truly God must be in history for people to have survived. We can never retreat to the past. 
It would be easy for us to do that today, to long for better days, to long for a time when we weren't faced with social distancing and the fear of a dreaded virus. The longer Israel was away from Egypt's suppression, the sweeter became the odor of garlic and onions. They wanted to return to the way things were. Because they misunderstand the past, some people desire to retreat to it. Israel misunderstood the past. God did not will for Israel to remain in bondage. Bondage was only one stage to pass through in the pilgrimage to the promised land. We all have stages in our lives, in our journey with Christ. Other people desire to retreat to the past as an escape from the responsibility of the present. Israel did not cherish the responsibility of fighting battles and running the risk of defeat. Life would have been far easier if Israel had done nothing in the past and thus had avoided the responsibility of the day. The past can help prepare us for the future. The past teaches us that problems always have been and always shall be with humanity. Contrary to history, we often think that the problems of today have never been never before been matched in history. What about agricultural problems and food shortages? During one of the nation's worst droughts on June 18, 1887, the newspaper in Mason, Texas, reported the words found on a sign attached to an abandoned farmhouse near Blanco, Texas. The sign said, 250 miles to the nearest post office, 100 miles to wood, 20 miles to water, 6 inches to hell. God bless our home, gone to live with wife's folks. We have political problems today, and so did people in the past. We like to predict national disaster because of our political enemies. A former president of Yale, Timothy Dwight, said against a certain presidential candidate, we may see our wives and daughters, the victims of legal prostitution, soberly dishonored and polluted, the outcast of delicacy and virtue, the loathing of God and man. Who was the object of his denunciation? Thomas Jefferson the author of the Declaration of Independence. Labor problems occur today as they did in the past. More than a century ago, a large department store required its employees to work 14 hours a day, six days a week. The store gave them one evening off a week in which they had to go to prayer meeting. Employees with the habit of smoking Spanish cigars and being shaved as the barbers would give their employer reason to doubt their integrity and honesty. Problems have existed all throughout history, and we are not immune to problems today. But we can believe in tomorrow, second, because of pessimism's folly. Even good people get discouraged. Ezekiel said, the Lord has forsaken the earth, and the Lord sees not. Too many people feel that having come so far, humankind can go no farther. All great discoveries have been made, and all noble accomplishments have been achieved. We restrict our vision to current movements of the stock exchange and votes of Congress. We need to say with Paul, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We are not in despair because we have the hope that rests in knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pessimism would limit God's activity to our generation. God works on a large canvas and takes a long time to complete his masterpieces. Here we need to recall God's words to Moses. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. 
Similar to what God said to Moses at times he must say to us, you have accomplished much, but my activity is not limited to your generation. After you are gone, Israel shall continue, and the greatest victory yet shall be won. God refuses to suspend his laws to satisfy our childish childish impatience. Pessimism creates anxiety, but offers no answers. History abounds with illustrations of this fact. In 1851, the Duke of Wellington said, I thank God I shall be spared from seeing the consummation of ruin that is gathering around us. Disraeli in 1849 said, In industry, commerce, and agriculture, there is no hope. In 1800, Bishop Wilberforce declared, I dare not marry, the future is so dark and unsettled. Our world is full of corruption. Children no longer obey their parents. These words were found chiseled on a stone tablet in Constantinople, written by a prince to a friend 4,800 years ago. We should not discount the serious problems faced today. Recognizing the long, painful journey of the human race helps us maintain faith, courage, and hope with which we can better face our problems. Third, I believe in tomorrow because of the faithfulness of God's promises. In Psalm 121.8, we read, The Lord will guard your coming and your going forth from this time forth and forevermore. Tomorrow is as bright as the promises of God may be an old saying, but it is still true. You see, God has promised to save us. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. God has promised to bless our efforts. God has promised to forgive our sins. God has promised to answer our prayers. God has promised to meet our needs. God has promised to claim us in heaven. In the early days of our country, a weary traveler came to the banks of the Mississippi River for the first time. There was no bridge. It was early winter, and the surface of the mighty stream was covered with ice. Could he dare cross over? Would the uncertain ice be able to bear his weight? Night was falling and it was urgent that he reach the other side. Finally, after much hesitation and with many fears, he began to creep cautiously across the surface of the ice on his hands and knees. He thought that he might distribute his weight as much as possible and keep the ice from breaking beneath him. About halfway over, he heard the sound of singing behind him. Out of the dust there came a man driving a horse-drawn load of coal across the ice and singing merrily as he went his way. Here he was on his hands and knees, trembling lest the ice be not strong enough to bear him up. And there, as if whisked away by the winter's wind, went the man, his horses, his sleigh, and his load of coal upheld by the same ice on which he was creeping. Like this weary traveler, some of us have learned only to creep upon the promises of God. Cautiously, timidly, trembling, we venture forth upon his promises as though he... the lightness of our step might make his promises more secure. As though we could contribute even the slightest to the strength of his assurances. God has promised to be with us. Let us believe that promise. He has promised to uphold us. Let us believe him when he says so. He has promised to grant us victory over all our spiritual enemies. Let us trust his faithfulness. Above all, he has promised to grant us full and free forgiveness of all our sins because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he has promised to come and take us to his heavenly home. Let us take him at his word. 
We are not to creep upon these promises as though they were too fragile to uphold us. We are to stand upon them, confident that God is as good as his word and he will do what he has pledged. As a Christian, you need not fear for tomorrow. In God's eyes and in the light of his promises, fearing for tomorrow is an act of folly. For the Christian, our spirit is not one of timidity because the spirit within us is from the Lord. Ultimately, Christian behavior should be grounded in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. God furnishes us for the task to which we are appointed. The ultimate guardian of the gospel is the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And we can find faith and assurance in those around us. We can find faith and assurance in our mothers who have trained us and guided us and led us. We can be thankful for the person who led us to the Lord so that we, like Paul, can say, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Shall we pray? Eternal God, we are grateful for these words from your servant Paul. We're grateful that in the midst of all that we do, we can believe in tomorrow. With all of the suffering we see around us and with all of the anxieties and fears that seem to be upon us, help us, Father, to let that go and allow you to guide and lead us into tomorrow. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.